0: This is like a big homecoming. I'm looking out, and I'm seeing uh, so many of the, like I would say, Hall of Fame families of Bridges, and uh, the families are growing, and they're uh, filling up the aisles. Uh, that's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, I've been asked to uh, deliver the Christmas Eve service message, and uh, I'm very honored. And um, when asked to do this, now in preparing, um, I went into teacher mode. So um, tonight's message will may sound like a uh, maybe a classroom lesson, um, but I think, uh, I hope that uh, uh, when it's all said and done, that uh, um, everyone will come away with an A, A-plus tonight. Um, we start... <coughs> I used to start my class if I'm teaching you with a question, and tonight um, this question was brought to my mind: Why does the Spirit of Christmas continue to thrive after all these years? Over 2,000 years, and we are here celebrating the birth of our Christ child. And I thought about that, and maybe you can think about it too, but I really, and I know, I think we all know, that it has, everything about Christmas um, has has, uh, flourished, become rich and alive. And I think only because it's based on truth, a truth that was prophesied, fulfilled, documented, and witnessed that God entered our world in human form through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, Lord and Savior, fulfilling a promise made to Abraham, his descendants, and all of mankind. With that, how could it not flourish and thrive? Chad was talking about um, traditions. And it's funny, he didn't know my message. I just asked him to sing one song at the end. That was about it. But he talked about tradition. And there are so many traditions, Christmas traditions, also that remain because of this same promised truth. A lot of us are here tonight because it's their tradition. These traditions are a way for people like you and me And those who do not know the Lord to be a part of Christmas. To celebrate in a special way. They are founded on the true reason for this season. Or not. Even a small part of Christmas is better than none at all. It's funny, because I, as I was preparing for this, I kind of took a poll of... um, Christmas traditions that people hold. Obviously, I think one is attending Christmas Eve service for, for a lot of us here. But I, I spoke to my small group last week and just to try to get a, kind of get a feel, and it's easy. And I think if I just mention a Christmas tradition, I know all of you can go back, and right, right away you, you'll, you, you can think of one, two, three, four. Maybe when you're growing up, or maybe what you're doing right now with your family. But my uh, small group, if you know them, that were called the Wood Street Group, and um, it was pretty funny because I asked the question, hey, what? Tell me a Christian, you know, Christmas tradition that you have." And uh, they all seemed to um, focus on food. <laughs> um, Becky, tomorrow morning, Christmas morning, she'll be making quiche Lorraine. Oh, it's delicious. The the bacon uh, and Costco bacon really does make the best quiche. But, uh, you know, that's one of our traditions. And one of our groups, members, and I'll just call him Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe uh, makes breakfast burritos Christmas morning for the whole family. They gather and they make Christmas burritos. Then the Kate's family, and I think a lot of us eat cinnamon rolls. Um, they make cinnamon rolls with orange frosting. Oh, okay, that sounded good. It, it, you know, orange flavor, orange frosting. Um, uh, Patty Stream she shared that she buys three gifts for each of her grandchildren: a piece of clothing, a book, and a toy. And then I just kind of pulled others. Um, maybe a lot of us do this: put up Christmas lights the day after Thanksgiving. Um, one friend shared that they used to get new pajamas. the 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 wife would buy the mother would buy everyone new pajamas every Christmas Eve, and they would wear them on Christmas morning. Well, that's quite a deal. But all of these kind of keep. Keep us in the, the Christmas spirit. It's, a, it's our way of expressing our, our, our joy, our happiness, our, this the great feeling of Christmas, just as we're feeling it right now, I'm sure as you have all day today. But I'm going to go into teacher mode, let's stay in teacher mode a little bit. and there's going to be three parts to this. and the first part is the story, the Christmas story. You always have to have a topic, a focus point for your lesson. And what better? What better subject than the Christmas story on Christmas Eve? The author of the Christmas story unveils what I feel the first chapter of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in human form, Emmanuel, God with us. It is a story in which God used a broadcast of characters and events to guarantee the humble birth of his son, Jesus. And the remarkable way, if we all recall the story, and I'll touch a little bit on it, how God personally surrounded the main characters of the story each step of the way. Once set in motion, God could not be prevented from fulfilling his will and purpose. One of the first points in the lesson is the timing. The timing of the story, the timing of this birth, with the spiritual, social, and physical condition of mankind at this particular point in history, our sovereign God set in motion his perfect plan for the birth of his son, Jesus. Just as Dina shared in Galatians 4, 4, Paul states, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Perfect. The timing was perfect. Perfect the setting was in place. Then in the story, there are some unsuspecting characters. People that you just didn't think would be. And I must tell you, as I read, I don't know how many times I read in preparing just to get the feel of the Christmas story. Um, I'd learn a ton more, believe it or not. But the unsuspecting characters, one was... And it's really a lot was to fulfill prophecy. And um, here, Joseph and Mary are in Nazareth, and uh, she's pregnant. And um, but that's not what's prophesied. And lo and behold, Caesar Augustus decrees the first census of the Roman Empire, which means that everyone, everyone would have to go back to their hometown from where they come from. And so Joseph, being from the house of David, takes Mary, who's pregnant obviously, to Bethlehem. Now that's pretty... I know that's, that's just amazing how God, again, has his hand. This is his plan. How he's going to do this. But Augustus Caesar, he uses him to get Joseph and Mary see Bethlehem. Another unsuspecting character, and I would call him the antagonist in the story, and that's King Herod. And in this story, God used him to show us, maybe the readers, those who are going to read this story over and over again, that the evil power and the influence that could have thwarted the glory of the Christmas story would be stifled and defeated. By our Father God. There's a lot of things about Herod, but I won't go into those. But our main character, one of our main characters, Mary, a humble and obedient servant chosen by God to bring his son into the world. And God makes certain that Mary understands what's going on and uses the angel to communicate directly to her, give her directions, assure her, knowing that what is going to happen, you have been chosen to do this. And being the humble and obedient servant, she says, I will, I'll do as you say. And she does, she's obedient. The other character, main character, Joseph. As I said, a descendant of the house of David, a humble and obedient servant. And again, God, in his own way, an angel appeared to him multiple times in the story. He was instructed to wed Mary. He was told at the time after flee to Egypt to avoid Herod's eventual decree to have all male children, one to two years of age, killed in the city of Bethlehem. He really didn't know that. God knew. Let, let Joseph know. Hey, you got to get out of town. Then, he makes sure, again, God's plan is perfect. He tells Joseph when he can return to the land of Israel. It's safe. Then upon his return, he's told he's going to go to Bethlehem, but you know what? He says, "Nope, don't go to Bethlehem because I know King Herod has died, but his son Archelaus, who is just as evil, and devious, um, is there. So Joseph doesn't go to Nazareth; he goes. Oh, oh, doesn't go to Bethlehem, and he goes to Nazareth again, fulfilling again Old Testament prophecy that he would be called a Nazarene. It's almost the story is almost like a love story. A drama, uh, adventure story, because there's a lot of things that the good guys could have been in a lot of trouble. But because God had his hand on this, it was not going to be thwarted. Then there's, in reading, and I found it very intriguing, the wise men. And if we talk about tradition... And what's the tradition for the wise men? How many of them are there? Three. Well, there really isn't any proof that there were actually three wise men. I think one of the things that they, they uh, the scholars kind of ventured to say that uh, the tradition had it that there were three because there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But um found it interesting, obviously, that they, not obviously, but I um, believe they came from the east uh, area of Persia. Um, they were people of men of high position, and um, they could have been astrologers who studied the stars in ancient manuscripts, and that's why um, they followed the star that appeared in the sky. Um, some scholars uh, even say they were, could have been of Jewish descent when um, the Israelites were exiled to Babylon. And there they um, remained and actually were of Jewish descent. Um, that they were in... in um, astrologers who study the stars in ancient manuscripts. There are a lot of things, that, uh, the, 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 and I hope maybe Philip and uh, Cliff can help me with this, but um, nevertheless, tradition or not, they were a, a key piece um, to the story, the Christmas story, and in a lot of ways represent the good news to the world outside of Bethlehem, outside of Israel, that they um, may have um, studied uh, from Daniel who was um, served in the court uh, during their exile in Babylon and that he uh, prophesied about the star that would come from Jacob. And so there's a lot of things, I, as I was just reading all of this, is this, God really had his hand in all of this. It was not going to go awry. He was going to make certain. Then you have the shepherds. They heard the good news of a Savior was born. And they went to see the baby Jesus. Without hesitation. In essence, they were, I think, when they saw the baby Jesus, what did they do? They went and spread the news of the baby Jesus. The Messiah, our Lord and Savior, has been born. They're, in essence, really the first evangelists, I think, for Christ. Lonely shepherds, lowly shepherds are going to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, his birth, to those around the community. It was just, um, as I said, as I read through this more and more. the depth of this, of this Christmas story uh, is certainly a great subject matter to have as a Christmas Eve message. So, the second part would be, as I, if I'm teaching, would be the lesson. What do I want us to learn, or what did we learn from the story, the Christmas story? And I believe the Christmas story is more than just an account and description of the birth of Christ. It is God's blueprint for us to know and understand his desires, that he wants to build a personal relationship with his children, with you and with me. How God worked in lives then and how he works in our lives today is no different. Our need for and our reliance upon God remains constant because of our needs remain constant. So here's one of the first um, lessons that I want us to uh, that I've learned and perhaps I'll share with you. God makes Himself known to each of us in a real way, just like in the Christmas story how he revealed himself to so many in a very real way. Now, I don't know necessarily nowadays we have angels appearing and um, there are heavenly hosts of angels announcing things to us. Um, But he uses a a never-ending list of ways to do that, to let us know that in a very real way. I'll share a few, but I know you can add some of your own as well. One, he hears our prayers and meditations. He cherishes our efforts to initiate the conversation with him. That is there. The Bible, the truth, sound instruction and direction, it's really the roadmap to live life as it should be lived. It's set before our very eyes to help us navigate according to his will. He makes himself known because he knows our heart. Our feelings, desires, our pains and worries, our wants and needs, the depth of our faith and trust in him. He speaks to our hearts. His voice is heard. How else does God make himself known? Just as in the story, using shepherds, King Herod, the wise men, Zachariah and Elizabeth, Anna and Simeon, and the story that are mentioned. He uses others to lead and direct us, both the suspecting and unsuspecting ones. Think about, just take a few seconds, think about one or two individuals, maybe a friend or even a stranger, who made a difference in your life. When a stranger does, it really, really hits home. Another way that he makes himself known to us, and thank goodness he does, is through his miracles that we're able to witness. His divine intervention is a normal part of our relationship with God the Father. He intervenes in our lives at just the right time. Not necessarily for us, but for him. Just as he did in the Christmas story. With Mary and Joseph. How he directed. The Magi. To Bethlehem. God had his hand. On them. God has his hand on us. Another point. A lesson that I want you. That I want us to learn. Is that God's plan for each of us. Is unique. And perfect. Perfect. He may not send his angels to reveal his desires and directions for us, but his Holy Spirit lets us know and feel him through his tender love, his grace and mercy, through his quiet correction and timely rebuke, through his sovereign power and his relentless pursuit of us. He is always there. Trust him, just as Mary Joseph and the host of characters chose to trust and obey. God's plan for us is always perfect. So, the, the um, story, the lesson in the third part, the takeaway, application. How do I apply it to my life? How do I apply this? Before I do that, um, I have two takeaways for you to consider on this eve of the birth of our Lord and Savior. But first I must share a personal note. When Philip asked me to consider speaking at the Christmas Eve service, My first inclination was to find a reason why I couldn't. But that didn't work. Because of this invitation, it was an invitation to one of the most wonderful Christmas experiences. This is my 65th Christmas, and this one I just won't forget when you have to kind of teach the lesson rather than sit and learn the lesson, um, God had his hand on this for me. And as I realized that, that it took 65 Christmases to get to this point. But I'm um, very grateful. But I also have a severe respect for Philip and Cliff, who have to preach every week. Um, I had a month lead on this. And uh, I don't know if that was a blessing or a curse, because uh, uh, it was not a day that did not pass. But that's that was the whole intention of all of this, as I look back. And so, um, uh, thank you for the opportunity, Philip. So here's the takeaway, or the application. How do we apply it? How can I use this? When I would speak to my staff, or do a a, a staff development, I always wanted them to be able to take away something, something meaty, not some intellectual thing that you can think about, but something that would help them um, the next day in their classroom. And so, This was a part that was really, really amazing to me. And so there are two takeaways. First, and I know Cliff and Philip has talked about this, is that we need to remember. We need to remind ourselves of what God has done. Sometimes we forget or we just take it for granted what God has been doing in our lives. And uh, we lose sight of that. Um, So we just read the Christmas story and recall and appreciate all that it means to Christians everywhere. But here's an application for us. Besides the Christmas story, remember your story. Remember your story. When we remember our story, we can appreciate all that he has done for us. When we remember, we are reminded of the miracles that God initiated on our behalf. Just like he did on that Christmas morning. We remember how he protected us, how he loved us, how he raised us up, how he healed us, how he always took care of the little things. We remember those he brought into our our lives just at the right time. Remember your story and remember to share it. And remember to say thank you to God. And to praise Him. It makes Him feel so good inside. And since we're talking about tradition, if you haven't remembered your story, or shared your story, or talked to God about it, maybe you want to make it a Christmas tradition. Maybe start tonight. The second takeaway, the second takeaway that night in the manger was a night like no other for all of mankind, but particularly for those mentioned in the first Christmas. I believe there is one word that was not only redefined that night, but really took on its real and true meaning. And I believe how it embraced Joseph and Mary and the others present is one of the reasons why, as the first question I ask, why the Christmas spirit has and will continue to thrive as it has over the past 2,000 years. Actually, it is a word better felt than spoken, that, it was, that what happened to it in the hearts of those there that holy night. There are four pieces of Scripture I would like to share that will help us feel and understand the power of this gift, the gift of joy. So, the first piece, Luke 1, 44. As soon as the sound, and this is, now this is Elizabeth, who, in, like uh, Sarah, was really beyond years of bearing children. And, um, but God, in his plan, said, you're going to have a child. Oh, come on, Really? Zacharias did the same thing. They were they obviously doubted. And, um, but this is, this is, Mary has come to Elizabeth. She has, she has heard that she is, that Elizabeth is pregnant. Mary is pregnant as well, but Elizabeth is six months ahead of her. And Mary goes to, her, to Elizabeth and actually stays there three months with her while she is pregnant herself. But in Luke one forty four, it states, Elizabeth says to Mary, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And I think it is the loudest gift that was shared. It's really loud. Joy is really loud. The others are kind of quiet and stuff. But joy, and I think because of that excitement and the joy, in fact, I think the world at that time was probably at best happy. But when Christ was born, the whole level of the world raised up from being happy to being joyful, to really feeling joy, the real reason for our joy, our Our Messiah, our Savior, the Son of God, the promise fulfilled. Who wouldn't feel joy? What a tremendous amount of joy. Here's a second example from Matthew 2, 9 through 10. And this is from the wise men, the Magi. And it states, I think we're going to see it. Oh, you don't have it? I'm sorry. Okay, I'll read it. After they had heard from the king, King Herod, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. These three wise guys, the kings, the guys of high position, they had been following this star because they wanted to see the king of the Jews, is what they were calling him. They were overjoyed. Men from afar, not really even knowing up close the Lord, and yet they came and were overjoyed. The third piece. Is with the angels. But the angel said to them, the shepherds, excuse me, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of, of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. Again, there's that word joy. The shepherds, now, it's pretty impressive that, you know, the whole host of angels are singing to them. So, but they go and they see for themselves. And there's great joy for all the people. Now, the fourth piece of Scripture, there really isn't the word joy, but I think for, particularly for all, all of the uh, moms in the room who have been able to uh, give birth to their children. Mary's recollection in Luke 2.17-19. Was so powerful to me. And it said. When they had seen him. They spread the word concerning. What they had been told about this child. For all who heard it were amazed. At what the shepherd said to them. And yet here, the final line, and I love this piece, but Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. I can't imagine what Mary felt at that very moment she treasured all these things, all those things that those angels, all the angels had told her about her son that she would give birth to, the son of God, and pondered them in her heart. That I would call a quiet joy, but a joy that goes far beyond any blaring trumpets, singing angels, and i think at that moment too as it said in the video the advent video that the other gifts of christ love peace hope became real real and tangible that the people who experienced those and we experience today they are very real and how joyous they were how real they were and powerful on that first Christmas day and we have had 2,018 times to really feel that joy to have that history to share in so that's the end of the lesson the bell's going to ring pretty soon. But um, I hope that um, you will remember your story and recount it. And that um, this way forward that there is a different level of joy um, come tomorrow Christmas morning. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. Let's pray while the uh, team comes up. Dear Father, we, um, we thank you for your gift of Jesus and all that, all that he means to us. It will uh, continue to thrive because of the truth that you have shared with us in a very real way. Father God, I I thank you for each person here tonight, their desire to seek you, honor you, and worship you, and to celebrate such a marvelous day in history. We thank you. Thank you for loving us and being all that we need. We thank you that your plan is so perfect. In Jesus' name, amen.